Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with reacting to pitches like you see him sneaking in with their food, you know. We're back in the baseball zone on extended <laughs> clip episode 59. Um, one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. Uh, today, we're watching opening day of baseball. Uh, Dodgers, Giants. Um, nice little pop up to right field. And Betts has got it. Already earning that 100 or $320 million, is it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this season how everything pans out. You know, you got the pandemic, of course. Um, you know, <laughs> how can we not talk about the pandemic? Of course, of course, of course, we got that going on. Can't but, forget about that. But we're just happy to see the players back out on the field, and you know, let's see if the fans really do have an impact. Because <laughs> right now they're looking a little uh, cardboard, if you will. Yeah. Damn, Crowd's Mike, a little stiff. There's <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking a little, uh, you know. <laughs> Just go up to a guy who's standing still. Hey, man, you're looking real cardboard today. <laughs> Someone might break on you. <sighs> our, our double feature today is uh, Batman Returns, the Tim Burton film from uh, 1992. And Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, the Don Edmonds film from 1975. JT... Will you tell us a little bit about your selection here? Um, choke me, gag me, spank me. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> uh, these films are both. Uh, <laughs> um, are can, we doing? Uh, that's the punchline. It's, uh, it's a Karnak Johnny Carson <laughs> holding the envelope to his head. Choke me, spank me, gag me. <laughs> What did they talk about on extended <laughs> clip this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, S&M is the link between these two films. Uh, the first one, Batman Returns. It's just, I don't know, I really don't like superhero movies. I really don't uh, like uh, Tim Burton that much. Um, but it's a weird anomaly in his filmography. I think something that like really pops off for me. Uh, horniness is a key factor why it's a success. Um, I mean, also just like performances. It's like, I mean, I feel like what we'll get into uh, a little bit later, um, just like expressionistic style is a lot more interesting for comic book movies, but then they sort of ditched that uh, in the 2000s. And Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS... Uh, just seemed like fun exploitation that I had always like heard of, um, but had never, uh, I don't know, given a look at and uh, felt like it was time. Yeah. I mean, frankly, we needed to calm down after last week, you know, talking about two of the great directors of all time with Tony Scott and Brian De Palma, uh, you know. Settle into the, the B class of directors, if you will. If not the C, B, E. <laughs> More like the double D class of directors <laughs> with Elsa the She-Wolf of the SS. And Malcolm, you did watch uh, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, correct? Of course. Yeah, I watched that. Definitely. I definitely watched that movie. What about uh, what about Batman Returns by Tim Burton? Uh, 
kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of didn't get around to that one. Uh, it just kind of fell through the cracks. Um, I watched uh, in, just in my not not related to this, but in my leisure time, I did watch Batman Forever, which um, you know is a, a good ish movie in its own regard. But uh, so yeah, I guess I, I'm familiar with Batman, but not uh, not when he returns. Uh, I mean, we we play the hand we're dealt here on extended clip. That's why they call us the gamblers and. <laughs> we bet and on cinema and we won <laughs> so we're gonna play this hand and we're gonna expand the a topic uh into batman at large but we should talk about batman returns first before we get into the larger bataverse i think that's what they call it mm-hmm. my goal here is to get comic book fans as mad as possible <laughs> at me because this is something we've never talked about on the podcast is these these uh cape shit Poo poo movies. <laughs> These baby goo goo gaga. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I I'm even someone who likes comics, but fuck superhero comics. It's yeah. just like it's not. I don't know. As a genre, it's not a particularly interesting thing to me at this point at all. So if you're one of these people that came across this episode of the podcast by searching SoundCloud for superhero content, um, you know, I I hope you'll uh take you know not get that mad at us <laughs> no yeah hey you know maybe you put down the marble you pick up the bergman <laughs> i've heard of uh make mine marvel but uh i'd rather uh, make mine martin scorsese <laughs> so batman returns um batman's back in a big way um <laughs> Max Shrek is the uh, the businessman who essentially runs Gotham. He's played by Christopher Walken, and he is uh, what you would call a a benevolent billionaire, a Jeff Bezos, if you will, who just wants to uh, you know um, pump money into the local economy and build the city with business. And he holds more power than the elected officials, but he wants to get in on that action as well. So he kind of teams up with this underclass. Uh, underworld hero, v- frankly, villain, in, in my opinion, uh, the Penguin, played by Danny DeVito. And, and they forge this kind of mayoral populist campaign about cleaning up the streets of Gotham. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Max Shrek has pushed his secretary out the window, and instead of dying, she became the Catwoman. And the Catwoman, folks... <laughs> Just the pussy I've been looking for. I mean, Abel Ferrara's first film is called Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy, and I'm frankly shocked that there wasn't a reference to that film in this one with how uh, obscene uh, that character's arc is. But frankly, her arc with uh, Batman, you know him, you love him, Bruce Wayne, is definitely the the strongest part of the film for me, is that, you know, very tense, uh, romantic angle. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, I mean, most contemporary superhero movies, and I mean, I think that's what, like, um, the Burton and uh, the Schumacher ones get right, is that there's, like, I mean, they're a little gay, um, they're, like, more sexual. I mean, this especially, like, Batman Returns, the Pfeiffer, um, Keaton... Uh, like tension is so hot and heavy there are like dick jokes um it's just it's great it's the only time where i feel like there is actual like sexual tension between like comic book characters yeah and i i do like something that i dislike about a lot of superhero movies that have these very convoluted plots that still hit all those very screenwritery beats 
but I like that this has such a confluence of conflict, kind of. You know, it's like a not quite a love triangle. Danny DeVito is more just lustful uh, of Michelle Pfeiffer, and frankly, who wouldn't be? But Batman saving the day, you know, and this is not just restoring order, which would mean thwarting a recall election, uh, also remaining Volcel despite Michelle Pfeiffer's leather prowess. And it's like a very strange set of like goals and circumstances for a superhero movie. And, and yeah, I liked it. Wish I saw it. Wish I <laughs> wish I would have would have seen that movie. It sounds nice. I mean, for me, I think what really works. I mean, there are a lot of really fun like action set pieces that take through place throughout the film, but like the devil is in the details with like a lot of the great specifics about like characters. Um, and just like quirks, I mean, that go in the stranger side that like, I don't know, contemporary superhero movies aren't willing to embrace. Yeah. Like when Danny DeVito emerges as the penguin and it's like they're starting his like electoral campaign, uh, which is just a really funny concept. He like um, hit the, the, the like onesie he's wearing <laughs> is the most filthy and disgusting, like shit stained. Like yeah. you see like sweat, like along where his ass crack would be as the penguin it's so fucking good that's like the first scene where you really see his full figure you know you can tell that he's like a hefty oddly shaped man uh in his introduction but in that first scene where walken takes him down to his mayoral uh headquarters or his campaign headquarters rather is uh the first time you see him with that waddle and that onesie and uh the black under his eyes juxtaposed to all the you know 25 year old unpaid interns working for his campaign uh with fresh overly lit faces you know um i i wasn't as hot on this film as a whole but i do think that burton gets a lot of the details really like i uh, he wins me over because there is quite a bit of lore here. You know, the first 40 minutes of this movie, you get basically an origin story for both Penguin and Catwoman uh, and a little bit of like meanwhile in Gotham action. And it's like, you know, get to it kind of. But once mm -hmm. it picks up the pace, it really does for sure. And I think the way it um, gets to or I mean, the way it expresses like the characters in this is like far more interesting um, than any other superhero shit I've seen in the sense where like I love that um, Michelle Pfeiffer you get the entrance of her like in her apartment when mm -hmm. she's just like regular like Selena Kyle where she's just like oh this kind of I mean I like her character so much because it's sort of like reminiscent of like a screwball comedy kind yeah. of like performance but she comes in through there like is depressed about being single whatever God, I'm not married. And then I like how stylized her like transformation in Catwoman is. Like she comes in after like being fucking dead, resurrected, just paints her whole apartment black, just changes her clothes. It I don't know. The it really is not afraid to go big like that. And yeah. I really like that. I mean even the procedural element of it of like her uh sewing together the the leather suit. I feel like, you know, the material aspect of putting together a superhero suit isn't something that is uh, given, not to sound so fucking basic about it, but like a feminine touch in superhero movies, you know? It's like you got 
Iron Man with his uh, military industrial complex connections making his super suit or you got other superhero movies that I can't remember and it's never like it never feels like a real movie in those scenes, you know? And I think that's the biggest accomplishment of this is even when they're in superhero costumes, it feels like a real movie for like half an hour while they're fucking doing dumb uh, superhero costume shit, you know? And usually the outfits aren't, you know, nice, like hot and tight like that one. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Some good fashion sense in there. Yeah. There's a lot of great perversity to Danny DeVito's character. Um, He's, the grossest horniest character i can think of in a superhero movie um he is persuaded to run for mayor by christopher walken offering him quote-unquote unlimited poontang <laughs> which is something i never thought i'd hear in a batman <laughs> uh, frankly i was quite offended it was uh, you know, a little early in the morning for that kind of talk but uh, also he <laughs> straight up says what joe biden's been thinking for years that you know it's not about politics it's about groping oh yeah there's like he he's there's that great scene where it's um the young woman says to him that he's like a role model or whatever and she's like um she he calls her the hottest young person a role model could have while he's like squeezing her tit (laughs) as he's putting on a campaign button This sounds like his new Rose Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, that's Devito, not Walken. But oh, Walken is encouraging all of it. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, now I didn't you're wa- like I didn't... the audience. Now I have to keep up. This is <laughs> yeah. actually good. Now I know where the audience is at in terms of understanding if they haven't seen the picture. Yeah, I didn't see the movie. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna say it a few more times. Yeah. Um, I do also like the the line. Uh, I play this stinking city like a harp from hell, which is such a dumb line. <laughs> But like to, you know, step back, use that line to step back and look at some auteurist studies. Um, I I do think that Tim Burton is really good at establishing these fake versions of real cities like he he doesn't have any movies where it's like a re- like his version of los angeles and ed wood is an ed wood movie version of los angeles but it's very specific in that depiction and i think his depiction of gotham here is very lived in and specific in a way that maybe i couldn't even fully get on board with i haven't seen the first batman he did in like fucking 15 years um my taste doesn't line up with his style like quite exactly but i'm able to recognize yeah he's setting the scene uh for a real environment more than any of these fucking superhero movies do you know like the the chicago version of gotham that nolan uses in the dark knight is just trash you know yeah Uh, the airport hangar fight in civil war i mean oh come on (laughs) i mean i guess to open this up to like uh to malcolm and just in general uh with like because over I don't know. I watched like last year, like the first Batman that has Nicholson in it and uh, the Mr. Freeze one. And I think that like, I don't know, all like because I've liked all of them that I've seen. But the real charm lies in they have that sense of setting there that's like colorful and like comic like. And it's so lost in like, I mean, the Nolan Batmans where it's just like gray city Mm. and just like marvel shit where it's like i don't know like new york and that's like you get that vague background but it like has absolutely no bearing on the story yeah no yeah batman forever is pretty visually savvy and like schumacher's 
working with like a lot of like kind of like deep night tones like night colors and like even like in some of these fight sequences like he'll try to like he's working with like kind of like i'm guessing like there's a sense of german expressionism type stuff in like these tim burton batman movies right Mm -hmm. so yeah he's kind of playing off that of course but then he's like in these fight scenes sometimes he'll mix like 90s rave aesthetics in and stuff like that and like you know the villains will be like all pierced up and kind of you know modern and whatnot and like there's even uh what do you call it a flaming lips needle drop oh shit (laughs) in, in batman forever when um i think the riddler is just sad or something like that but um no, yeah, I mean it. That Batman Forever looks definitely looks great and does like you know a lot of like a lot of heavy shadows, a lot of slanted angles, but to like a, a very good effect, I would say. What what's like the basic setup of that one? Who who's the baddie? Well, yeah, this one's interesting because it seems like a transition movie, and that's why I kind of don't like it. It seems like it's leading up to Batman and Robin because you have a lot of stuff going on here. You have Two Face who wants to kill Batman, which his story seems to be already established. Played by Tommy Lee Jones, who's really good, reminds me of his under siege performance and then um you have jim carrey who's rejected by bruce wayne he works for bruce wayne and he wants to like set up this thing where everyone um is like connected he basically made like 4d goggles to give people to watch tv so they could get immersed in it but he's like he has access to their brain waves so it makes him really smart (laughs) <laughs> and um wait if i know anything about television yeah. it seems a little inaccurate yeah well hey it's a little commentary um makes you think that's called that's called metaphor but um <laughs> and so jim carrey and two-face meet up and they're trying to take down batman two-face kills robin's family robin is a, a trapeze artist in a circus and um his troop is killed and so batman takes him in he discovers that um you know, Bruce Wayne is Batman, so he wants to be a sidekick. And then in the meanwhile, you have this love story, love story emerging between um, Nicole Kidman and Bruce Wayne and Batman. Because uh, the Nicole Kidman character, um, you know, is kind of dating Bruce Wayne, but Batman will show up, you know, and like cuck Bruce Wayne. But unbeknownst <laughs> to her, it's the same man. And that's kind of that's kind of like a PTSD mental health conflict for the Val Kilmer Batman. He keeps remembering his like parents' death. But also he's still gaslighting her low key. <laughs> yeah. No, well it's there's a great there's a great moment where um Bruce Wayne and you know, uh, Chase, Nicole Kidman's name in the movie, have been dating for a while and then, you know, he has to Batman up at like some party because Two Face rolled in. And then um like she's like to Batman like, meet me at my place at midnight and then Batman comes there and then she's like, you know what? Like, you know, I'm, you know, I met someone and like, this was always my fantasy to fuck Batman, but you know, I can't, (laughs) I can't go through with it. And like, it's, it's a funny scene for two reasons. I mean, because it's like Batman showing up to like have sex and like being rejected. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) he's like, uh, okay, I guess I'll leave. But uh, (laughs) only Val Kilmer could pull that off, I think. (laughs) No. Yeah. But then he's really happy about it. Right. Cause that his, you know, his uh, girl isn't cheating on him. So he gives this goofy grin as he batman's off but uh yeah the val kilmer the val kilmer batman's a little a little bit stale but like i don't know i i kind of like it and i'm just i'm a kilmer apologist in general and uh i don't know he has a nice smile yeah um back to returns it kind of starts to wrap up at a party as so many films do the third act kicking off at a party and uh you, you get a nice costume party where uh uh, Michael Keaton is dressed uh, similar to uh, Johnny Carson's Karnak character that I referenced earlier for the old heads in the audience. Uh, I think you can tell what I've been watching on Tubi this week. 
um but yeah also uh the house band is playing an instrumental take on super freak uh in the background which is quite fun <laughs> before the uh, third act erupts and frankly it's a it's an imaginative action set piece but i don't think burton is a very strong action director like in terms of like the way that i think about the you know action of i don't know fucking johnny toe or michael mann or anyone who i think about their action more than anything i think burton is able to express a lot of cool visual ideas during action scenes but the actual action itself is eh, not showcased or choreographed in the most appealing way to my sensibilities no i mean i definitely like uh well as someone who i mean i liked it more than you but i will co-sign on that it's um not like the like he gets a lot of good images out of this and that's really what i enjoy the most out of this film is i mean there's like a base level like i don't know something that i find interesting that it's like mac shrek as like a a big capitalist like evil villain i think that's kind of fun he's the neoliberal version of his king of new york character (laughs) and like buying into like uh like i love catwoman just like recycling like feminist like slogans of like the past 50 years like being like i am catwoman hear me roar (laughs) and like all that bullshit like i don't know not really adding up to anything like uh, coherently like thematic but it mixes in like that with a lot of really cool imagery that i think is like framed in ways like that it feels true to like what you would see in a comic panel Mm -hmm. like there's one shot not in an action sequence but um I think it's where Walken is emerging to like try and persuade the penguin um to like do this political campaign that's like a really cool split diopter. Oh yeah. Um that's real fun. And it's just I don't know, you it's weird to see like a superhero movie like have like actually pretty good like camera work yeah. and framing. No, there was the one frame uh the first time that Keaton sees the bat signal and it's like this wide shot in that big room of his and it's just the light pouring in uh in one little beam, you know, covering his face and it's a really beautiful image. Um I'm going to go three bullets on this one and that might be my ceiling for uh, superhero movies. So this could be the best superhero movie of all time. Um, I'm going to go four and a half bullets for this one. Uh, I don't, just something about it. Like you're a Batman boy. It's okay. (laughs) I know. I don't like, I mean, in general, like superhero movies don't really work for me, but this run of Batman's ending with, uh, Batman and Robin, I think are like an interesting experiment in superhero stuff. That is the, really the only time. I mean, it's been, I like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, uh, when I was a kid, but I, it's been ages since I've revisited those but I, I did rewatch the first one a while back and there's a really great like dick joke where he like looks in his zipper uh like he looks down his pants while like his aunt is calling him from the other room i don't think i even finished the movie but i was like that's a good bit <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it's an interesting experiment where like there there was a, a willingness to indulge in like comic book style and i think that these movies like sort of uh, acknowledge that um it's like inherently stupid and that like all of this like comic book lore is like really ridiculous and dumb and like goofy and like there's like obviously like a level a baseline level of like seriousness to like get to the drama and like get to the horniness of it all um but it's like i don't know it's fun and silly and that's i don't know that's really why i like it malcolm how many bullets for the one you watched (laughs) um i'm gonna give batman 
Returns, five stars, fantastic. <laughs> um, but Bat- Batman Forever, I'm going to give it three stars. There's stars? Of- <laughs> Erase that. That didn't happen. Um, I'm going to give Batman Forever three bullets. Um, <laughs> Always a stickler, Eddie. <laughs> I'm really fucking up on the pod. This <laughs> really fucking up. Um, no, I mean it's it's I I think it's I think it's pretty entertaining and there's enough like auteurist Schumacher quirks in there to where like I'm entertained but like the the storyline is just real muddled because it's like trying to develop like three different things at once and I don't know Jim Carrey's kind of annoying in this like they give him a lot of free range to do a lot of his quirks his acting quirks <laughs> he thinks he's Charlie Chaplin or some shit but he's not too bad like he's he doesn't rub me the wrong way too much um, but yeah, it just, it feels, it, it goes on too long in the final sequence. I feel like superhero movies always suffer the longer they go on. And like the final sequences are usually the worst ones in my opinion. And this suffers from that too. But, uh, in addition to that, I also, you brought up neoliberal Frank White. You know, I got a, I got a quick, you know, characters, you know, if a charter school gets opened in Buffalo, I want in. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Um, we'll be right back on extended clip. You're right. We missed the regularly scheduled election, but elected officials can be recalled, impeached, given the boot, given Nixon. Togo's is, like Togo's is good, but like not like like I don't know. Not I can make a new yeah, account yeah, each yeah. week. <laughs> You're good. It wasn't even hard, but it's just like <laughs> Togo's wasn't meant to be eaten. That many times, you know? <laughs> and we're back on extended <laughs> Oh, no. Talking oh, no. togas. <laughs> uh, speaking of chain restaurants on our Doughboys shit, this is our uh, second time reprising the uh, the extended clip pizza segment. Oh, shit. Uh, first time since episode three. Unfortunately, the audio uh, was not recording while I was ordering the pizza. Uh, but if you want to go back to episode three, where we talked about... Um, Jack Warden films, uh, <laughs> Crackers, and Problem Child. You will also hear me order a pizza for the three yeah. of us. That might, it, that might be the last time we recorded in this room, too. That's <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> no, but, not true. <laughs> but um, that was that uh, Crackers was maybe the worst choice of made. It's not the, the worst movie we've watched, but it's the worst choice. What yeah. do you think the worst movie we've watched is? I mean, I could pull up. We've talked about this too. Yeah. I think <laughs> have we? Yeah, uh, yeah, we've gotten it as an email. I'm pretty sure, but all I. I'm sure we have a new answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to email us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com, you can ask us what our favorite and least favorite movie we've talked about <laughs> on the podcast is because I don't include yeah, the emails in the show notes yeah. or anything like that. So I don't know when we talked about oh, that shit. one. Yeah, maybe you should put or yeah. What did you say? Oh shit, too. <laughs> no, I was I I, I, mis- I misinterpreted it. It was like maybe you should put the the Gmail for questions in, oh, in the description. Okay, okay. I thought you were saying yeah. oh shit because the TV was showing. There's a, a Joe uh, Biden ad, a Cinemascope <laughs> Joe Biden ad where, where <laughs> everyone's wearing masks. Yeah, he and looks playing so, baseball. He looks so feminine in his mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump's the only person to ever make it look masculine. <laughs> well, he's yeah, he's mask pilling people. So he's just trying. There's a mass enlightenment going on, and he kind of needs to slow it down. So the masks kind of, yeah, just look into that. 
the worst film we've watched for the podcast is the illusionist the animated movie that was like jacques tati for babies and the yeah. lost episode true that was with cool world or kentucky cool? fried movie yeah kentucky fried movie is the one that i like the least I they're both my picks which is like uh <laughs> cool world, I, w- I don't uh, well, kentucky fried movie was still fun to talk about no yeah that was, that was a really fun podcast that was just an awful movie but that was their best premise yet two movies that jt jacked off oh, to. true that is the best premise i wasn't as a offended by the illusionist as Eddie was. The funny know? thing is I could probably come up with another double feature of two movies I've jacked off to. We can get weeks out of this. <laughs> We've become different men during quarantine. <laughs> no, not even then. It's, it's all of my youth. Also, uh, The Love Guru and Rain Over Me are Rain? definitely in that one star category of movies we've reviewed. I yeah. kind of like The Love Guru the more I think about it. <laughs> Getting transgressive on the pod here. Um... Malcolm, we're in the middle. Life wow. is unfair. What did you watch this week? Well, you know, my uh, my brother's down at Netflix, Netflix.com. They put a lot of Yusuf Shaheen movies on, and there's like 16. He's an Egyptian director. I know we're anti-streaming, but hey, you know, maybe your parents have a Netflix account. Maybe someone you know has it, you know. If you're using the powers of streaming to smash the Western canon, exactly, we abide the stream. And uh, Cairo Station's great because it's about like this um, crippled newspaper salesman who uh, pines for this woman who uh, sells sodas on the train at the train station, and she kind of leads him on, you know, a little bit. It's it's a lot of it's his fault. It's not blaming it on her, but you know, she's she's not saying no to him, and um, she's about to get married soon, and. Um, Everyone teases this guy for, you know, not getting any pussy. And so <laughs> eventually he snaps and he wants to kill her. And so um, uh, he ends up do, trying to do that. And it's, you know, honestly, this is, this is Joker 1958. This is, a, this is a, a Joker for the older era. And that's, you know, that might be a regressive comparison. But um, I don't know. Great movie. 77 minutes. It's very, it's, it has a, like a sharp visual style. And it's like, I don't know, there's a lot of lot of great world building in like this train station. You see the group of girls who illegally sell soda on the trains. You see people trying to unionize who uh, merchants at the at the train station. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of uh, details, you know, on how they live. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. I saw, I saw you log that one on Letterboxd and I was immediately interested. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be talking about how we're trying to branch out to the rest of the world, become more global cinephiles, but not globalist cinephiles. No, 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 no. That's the enemy. Uh, JT, what did you watch this week? Um, well, I'm continuing to be a global cinephile, not a globalist cinephile. And also, I'm keeping my eye towards baseball. Um, and, uh, I watched, uh, 2013's, uh, Mr. Go. Um, it's a South Korean Chinese, uh, co-production, um, about, um, this young girl, Weiwei, um, who is left, uh, with two gorillas at like a <laughs> child circus. Uh, um, the one gorilla, uh, Ling Ling is uh, really good at uh, baseball. Nice. Just hitting dingers. Um, <laughs> and it's just like hitting them out of the park. Um, and there's this other really mean uh, ape that they have uh, that's really good at pitching. And so a main uh, staple of the circus is one gorilla will pitch, the other one will hit. And so um, when the girl's, uh, I think, grandfather or something dies... He like leaves her with a bunch of uh, debt, 
and so she signs up uh, the the gorilla that hits uh, for a South Korean baseball team, and they go from China uh, to South Korea, and um, there's a like this really like opportunist like agent that uh, brings the the ape into an apartment. Um, like a big high rise like style apartment that they all live in and uh, antics ensue. Um, it was like, I don't know, a surprisingly like really fun time. Like I wasn't expecting a whole lot um, from a movie where it's just like a big ape plays baseball. Um, but with that, it's like really fucking fun. At a certain point, it's like because from uh, like the baseball team they're in, they're going to try and like once there's one ape of course like other teams are gonna get this good idea it's like we can have many <laughs> and then there's they they sign because the the chinese gangsters that are trying to shake down this little girl um ultimately wind up going back to the circus and take uh the gorilla that can pitch and then there's like this big final set piece where it's like gorilla versus gorilla in terms of like a baseball showdown that gets aggressive. Nice. And it's just like, I don't know, nothing too much to think about, yeah. but a real fun time. I would wholeheartedly recommend it. Emmett posted like the link in uh, the extended gl- uh, extended clip Discord Ooh. where it's like... Um, you got to join the Discord. Absolutely. If you're not in the Discord at this point, I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, insiders only. But I think up until it, only a few days uh, more is there like this uh, South Korean... Uh, th- like I think they're highlighting like some baseball cinema mm-hmm. that they've done, and there are three movies on there free to stream, and Mr. Go is one of them. Nice, and I had, I'd uh, highly recommend it. Before I get to mine, I glanced at my notes, and I think I misspoke during Batman and said that Michael Keaton was dressed as Karnak at the party, or did I say Christopher Walken? You said Michael Keaton. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna get this and try and punch it in seamlessly. If you if you hear it when I record the episode and it's good, thank fucking God. If not, then I'm gonna get another apology recording partway through <laughs> where I have to say I'm because I'm not gonna be able to listen to that. And at the party, uh, the costume party, of course, you have the host Christopher Walken dressed as uh, Johnny Carson's Karnak character, as we mentioned earlier. One more. Christopher Walken dressed as Karnak from the Johnny Carson show. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! One more. Christopher Walken. (laughs) <laughs> okay we can get resume the segment so eddie have you watched any movies this week uh yeah you know i i was planning on talking about uh one of the movies i watched for the hashtag augie challenge uh which a friend of the show augie bartlett was uh getting getting around on film twitter this week but since you talked about a sports movie uh from uh asia a different asian country but an asian sports movie nonetheless uh i will talk about woman basketball player number five first of all i do want to shout out the aki challenge because this was in the recommended uh uh, list for that challenge If, if you're not aware of it 
uh, friend of the show, Augie Bartlett, was challenging the cinephiles uh, that we live with on film Twitter every day uh, to watch four movies in a day from four different nations that were not Western nations, you know, expand your global palette. Uh, and I didn't watch this on that day. My my Augie's challenge uh, was uh, Usman Sembene's Black Girl, Johnny Toe's PTU, Edward Yang's The Terrorizers, and uh, Frank Karachi and Adam Sandler's The Ridiculous Six. Uh, but the film I'm going to talk about is Woman Basketball Player Number 5. Uh, directed by uh, Z Jin. It's a 1957 basketball movie, the first uh, sports movie in color in China. And it is a really fun 84 minute sports story that involves family legacy and, you know, uh, really treats the basketball as uh, the arts are treated in a lot of films of this era and uh, later to come where it's, you know, the traditional uh, family wants you to go to the smart college, but you want to go to the PE college to play basketball. Uh, and that's kind of the central conflict of the film, which is expanded further when it's revealed that. Uh, the coach of this young woman, uh, the titular woman basketball player number five, uh, he used to be a player and he also was giving some advice to a, uh, a woman basketball player of a previous generation who ends up being the mother of the titular character. And it's kind of like this grand epic story that's crammed into 84 minutes and has a lot of just like 50s youth movie energy as well. And it's beautifully shot. Um, so yeah, check out woman basketball player number five. And, you know, since we're basically an Adam Sandler podcast, ridiculous six, not that bad. It's not good. Not a good movie. Not that bad. Yeah. That's, that was my impression. I was like, this is all right. Norm McDonald's one line. Pretty good. Yeah. 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 Love that. I'll clip it in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ladies, take your clothes off and start punching me in the face. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. Hallelujah. Hold on, I got a text and I have to make sure it's not from pizza. Oh, it is from pizza. It's from pizza. Pizza's on the way. Nice. So let's finish this review quick. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, knowing this movie, I busted quick. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You presented that like it was going to be a joke. No one... (laughs) <laughs> but it was just saying that you busted at <laughs> uh, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS is a Canadian uh, woman in prison Nazi sexploitation film by Don Edmonds from 1975. It's a Canadian production, but it did shoot in L.A. on the Hogan's Heroes set. Uh, which was destroyed on camera. And I guess that's how they were able to get that set cheaply uh, is that it was destroyed for the purpose of a movie and they didn't have to bring in a crew to get rid of it. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, Hollywood history lives on through exploitation. When has it not? Am I right? True. Yeah. You got the graveyard of a classic you know, just, and you got some vaginal mutilation going on there (laughs) and the, the deep recesses of it. And you have the great atrocity of the 20th century. I say great. That's <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you watch Histoire du Cinema, as I've alluded to throughout the run of this podcast, you know, you'll, you'll realize the big questions about cinema's relationship to the Holocaust. And you'll realize that a lot of movies are kind of morally repugnant uh, uh, on their take on the Holocaust. And, and yet, 
I I really liked this exploitation movie. It's a little slow mm-hmm. to start, uh, but when it kicks into gear, it really kicks into gear. Yeah, no. I mean, it was like, I mean, its relationship to the Hulk, I mean, not to get like right into the like very serious aspects <laughs> the of meat this. and potatoes, if you will. Um, But it's like, that was something that like from the beginning, because there's like a content warning at the start where it's like talking about like, okay, like this is uh, like what we're showing here is like not real, but there were like real like horrifying atrocities that mm-hmm. happened in the Holocaust. And we hope this depiction um, like sh- in some way, like, like this won't happen again. Like but it's by- also kind of an ironic trigger warning as yeah, you have yeah. the yeah. Hitler speech playing in the background. Absolutely. <laughs> but then, and then also it like just goes to like from that to like five minutes of just titties. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's hard to like, it's, it's a weird uh, transition there. Well, when we talked about Monsieur Verdoux, we brought up how uh, Hitler was a big Chaplin fan and, you know, he saw uh, the great dictator and was unaffected by it. And, you know, maybe uh, Monsieur Verdoux would have been a better film to show him uh but you know i i I, one has to ponder uh what old adolf's reaction would have been to a film such as this yeah well maybe you know maybe he was like yeah that's what was going on it was sick i miss it (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ well um no what i just wanted to think with the the trigger warning it's just funny because it's like who's going into this film and it's like wow that's kind of offensive how they portrayed the holocaust (laughs) It's like it's a it's a movie about like a hot Nazi dominatrix, you know, yeah. I mean, not really. But yeah, no, I mean, I hate to just be a literalist kind of because all, and all film is exploitative in its production. But like uh, when a film is an out and out exploitation movie, you kind of just it's it's the genre you know that there is going to be morally reprehensible content ahead of you and it's going to either be in the style the vibe the performances the one aspect of audience uh expectations slash desires that they're exploiting you know um and this fits into the you know not it's not one of the best it's not like one of those miracle films like something like revenge of the cheerleaders uh but it's it's a really fun film so to to say what it's about ilsa is an ss commandant uh who runs a concentration camp and she has an insatiable lust she also runs experiments on her prisoners um, they involve mutilation and uh, de-steril or sterilization, rather. And uh, after a while, the victims rise up to uh, revolt against the prisoners, led by a man who can fuck all night. And oh, that's, that's all they so need. Great. That's the weapon they need to uh, get rid of all the trauma <laughs> that- that's been inflicted. Is a man who can wait because. Uh, throughout the beginning of this movie, you see that Ilsa's insatiable lust uh, results in more death, you know? And it's just because these dudes can't help but nut. You see, when I reached puberty, I discovered something about myself that set me apart from all the rest of the guys. Something that made me unique, I guess. One of a kind. What? Uh, but what? It's very simple. I discovered that I can hold back for as long as I want. I still can. All night if necessary. I guess you could call me a freak of nature. A sort of human machine. A machine that can set its controls to fast, slow, 
or never. Mm-hmm. Also, they're 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 coming in with the shrimpy. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Ilsa Ilsa respects you know big dicked men, which I think is yeah. a funny detail that she won't cut off the big dicks because she's she's collecting small Jewish dicks to present to <laughs> German well, scientists. I mean, who had the most famous micro penis of all time? But Adolf, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Adolf Hitler. I'm. It's just so fucking funny. The, like the introduction. I think his character's name is Wolf. Um, but it's like the 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 um, our American hero. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just like he's endowed with the ability to not bust, yeah. <laughs> and that's what ultimately like helps him win. It's so fucking yeah. funny. And like after his first conquest, he like comes back and there's like that patriotic music like yeah. playing under him, like talking oh. about. Well, I have like a condition. No, yeah, I think it's I think it's really funny that the hero of the movie like is like a white American and not like a Jewish person. Like yeah. it is and it's like um Well, he's like a they try to claim him as a German too yeah. because he grew up in Germany apparently <laughs> yeah. and he looks very Aryan, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like who's this hard-dicked American coming into this concentration camp not playing by all the rules? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the film is quite gruesome in its depiction of torture, mutilation, all that good stuff. Um, there's like a lot of extended scenes of Ilsa whipping prisoners. And, uh, you know, it's, as I said earlier, it takes a while to get going, but these very brutal scenes at least move it along in the sense that they're very uh, gruesome, even if not that stylish, you know, it feels yeah. like the direction isn't really finding any stylistic ground beyond the the gore effects and the more production design than uh, directorial style until the third act. Then I think it uh, really kicks into gear and really coalesces once it becomes more of an action movie than a sexploitation movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like if like if like if there was more of a plot to like drive this along and like if it was shot better i would have absolutely loved this as opposed to just i don't know liking it yeah um i think there's something to be said about a movie i haven't seen uh but you know it's you see a lot of naked bodies in this film detached from any sort of actual sexuality uh to show the gruesomeness of fascism and it's kind of like our old friend uh, Pierre Paolo Pasolini depicted oh, yeah. in uh, Salo or the 100 Days of uh, Soda. Soda? 100 Days of Soda. <laughs> that's a, a callback to what I said on pod when we mentioned it before. <laughs> that's a, 100 Days of or Soda. That sounds like my roommate Scott drinks a lot of soda. No, that's what you said about me last time I said it. <laughs> Eagle-eared listeners will remember. <laughs> and Sorry, it, I think the pizza guy's yeah. calling well, I'll just finish my Hello. point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, please do. Um, oh, uh, pissed on. Pissed on. Yeah. Well, all right. Let me, okay, let me, let so me generate much. this. Bye. The eagle has landed. The eagle has landed. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going yeah. with the solo comparison. Um, you went into uh, the pissing yeah. scene. Let me try to take it from the top. Maybe it'll it'll get my flow, get my flow going. Well, I mean, you know, to talk about Salo, I feel like the, the burly German, you know, commandeer that comes in to inspect the concentration camp that Ilsa wants to impress, you know, she sets up like a, a weird German Nazi joke where you have like a woman on ice block connected to a noose. And, you know, he gets off on that. He howls at that. He's like, Oh, that's such a funny joke. But then, Later, he wants to be, you know, pissed on. He wants to be dominated. And it's kind of um, gets at this thing that they're going at in Silo. Like, the the role of fascism is to, you know, 
to play the victim while imposing violence to act like you know you um are being threatened against but really you know you're the one imposing it but so you know him wanting to get pissed on that's you know the him uh being the victim being dominated yeah in a sexual I, sense i mean i like the relationship i think like in general like the sexuality in this movie is really interesting and like with ilsa like i mean she in all of the uh like torture scenes like i mean also like all of the female nazis are clearly getting yeah. off on it one of the funniest details to me is that like when it's just some like torture scene like happening in a basement but it's like the nazi the nazi officers that are female that are doing it are just topless <laughs> as well um but it's like they're like and what ilsa really gets off on uh with our american wolf is like when she has the power removed from her mm-hmm. and is like uh i mean part of the ability of him to like uh, sort of overtake her at the end is like she just wants to be tied up mm-hmm. and like controlled no definitely definitely and like you know not to not to get get into it too much but you know she's kind of a, a girl boss you know she's trying to prove absolutely oh, th- this is total more women nazis movies yeah she's trying to prove <laughs> that women can withhold more pain than men which is a point i feel like i've seen on twitter before um i mean even if it doesn't like yeah. even if it's not shot um, in the most interesting way for me, I think what it does well with like setting and just general design are really uh, are enough to get me like interested and like hooked in it. Like the dingy basements mm-hmm. where all the torture is happening works like pretty well. Mm-hmm. The torture itself, like a lot of it, is like I don't know, done in interesting ways. Yeah. One like very minor thing is like when. Um, one of the Nazi officers is having like one of the female Nazi officers is having sex with one of the female victims. There's like a picture of Marlene Dietrich in the background (laughs) and it's just like little shit like that is really like good and like works really well. It's a similar wink to like how we discussed Derhoven did in black book. Uh, when the woman sings the same song that Marlene Dietrich did, you know, there are some very funny scenes in terms of just the scenario. Like it's not like a funny scene to watch watch but looking back like the fact that ilsa was so blown away by our hero's dicking that she was convinced it was a dream and needed to watch him fuck someone else to make (laughs) sure it was real and he just like fucks two guards in front of her uh is pretty hilarious but it's like an eight minute scene (laughs) another really funny scene is towards the end when they're blowing up the concentration camp and mario the other male prisoner that works along wolf is he's like mario Come with us, please. What life is there for a half man outside this wire? And it's just because he's castrated. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I can't fuck, so there's no. I mean, uh, and life then he is climbs pointless. the guard tower and hops on the fucking machine gun, which is just incredible. <laughs> That's just his his last, you know, uh, uh, male uh release that he can have now as a castrated man is firing that machine gun a uh, full clip before he gets blown up by i don't know if you guys discussed this while i was fetching the pizza but it teases like the allies are coming to rescue them because mm-hmm. this is when the nazis are in retreat but it is in fact just uh the nazis led by uh, a general who visits uh the not the camp halfway to destroy this death camp because of uh, the mutilations and torture that were going on here. So that's how fucked up Ilsa is, is that even generals in the SS wanted to destroy uh, what, you know, the evidence of what she had done. Yeah, kind of, you know, a very sinister ending. And I feel like 
what this movie lacks in style makes up for in like nastiness too. Cause yeah. really, like even the, like the only like erotic sex scenes are probably the ones between the wolf and Ilsa and maybe when he fucks the other two guards too. But not, you know, not depends as, on what you consider erotic. I mean, yeah, true. But like, I don't know. There's a, there's an ugliness to this movie that like adds to it. And I feel like it, the lack of style almost makes it more ugly, you know, and therefore these acts kind of are rendered, you know, less erotic or just, you know, less enjoyable in general. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but um, I don't really find anything erotic about fascism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You. We don't fuck, you know, this is, this is girls, we're, you're listening to the Girls We Fuck podcast, and we do not fuck Nazis, all right? Nazi pussies out. <laughs> oh, fuck. There's a weird relationship here. I mean, I don't know about you fellows, but, like, I haven't seen, like, I like exploitation, but I haven't seen many women in prison films or, mm-hmm. like, Nazi exploitation films and it's like weird for me like I mean obviously it's like exploitation but like going into this and there are like some moments that are like heavily sexualized yeah. like mm-hmm. I, in the opening where it's just like um, Ilsa's in the shower and you're just staring oh, yeah. at some big shower titties yeah it's just like it's that weird contrast of it's like obviously like there's some scenes that are played for like sexuality but it's like who is getting off yeah. to this? <laughs> no, I like the in-between uh, aspect of it where you're not sure if it's going to be a gross-out scene or a supposedly erotic scene. Uh, like, some of the torture here... Like, the gore is really incredible throughout. There's one, uh, like, infected wound that they're operating on at one point that yeah. is one of the gnarliest things I've seen in weeks. And, um, like, there's a shot where... Weeks. Well, I. Well, if you're a fan of the pod, if you're a friend of the pod, you know, I'm watching a few flicks a day. It adds up, you know? Look, maybe I've been watching some particularly gruesome shit lately. Just not. fucked up ISIS beheading. Yeah. It's just not torture. Into that. I'm, into I'm, not, that. I'm not logging them on Letterboxd, I'll say that much. <laughs> I'm all for it. Mm, no, yeah, to speak to, like, um, the dialogue scenes, like, all, like, the room scenes seem pretty, like, you could have filmed all those in one day and, like, pretty much for sure. served to move the plot along. But. They don't, you know, linger there too long. And there's like, there's like, if you're going into this, you're like, I want to see some, you know, I want to see some torture. I want to see some sex. It delivers. There's a lot of different variations of torture. Yeah. It checks all the boxes. Here. And um, I mean, I, lo- I love how it kind of like introduces itself, like not how it introduces itself, but like kind of the, like once we get into the nighttime of the first day we get there, we kind of get the, the full scope of what's going on. We, we have like this gang rape going on concurrent to like this flogging mm-hmm. and it's like th- this is what kind of sets the template for the rest of the movie I yeah think. you know like within the first 10 15 minutes at least i mean that might be even generous because it's yeah. a 95 minute movie but you're gonna know what you're in for uh maybe the only thing holding back is the depiction of actual like uh action rather than mm-hmm. just gore violence um but uh yeah i think it's a really strong movie i'm gonna go three and a half bullets on this one i'm very happy that jt brought it to the table yeah. uh pleasantly surprised beyond just like the shock factor how it coalesced into a real thing at the end as you know the hero gets away with the prisoner that he'd uh, i guess fallen in love with uh and, you know not much development there but whatever uh and everyone else just stays and fights the nazis who come to get rid of the evidence and it's just like gruesome and uh, you know, goes heavy on the zooms and the fast cutting at the end. That's what I love to see. What about you guys? 
No, yeah, I'm gonna give it three and a half stars too. I mean, I, I love that it, it uh, stars. Fuck stars. <laughs> I thought it was intentional at that point. It's like <laughs> no, yeah, everything. Every time I fuck up, it's intentional. Know that you know. Um, no, three and a half bullets. See now, now I get discouraged every time I do that, and it's like, yeah, it was a good movie. Next, <laughs> no, 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 um, no. Yeah, I, th- I love how it, you know, it really dedicates itself to its nastiness. You know, it doesn't really back off, and like, it, you know, delivers its erotic scenes too. I feel like it's funny at parts. It's very, it's very entertaining for something that kind of has uh, a lack of style, you know, somewhat. But um, I enjoyed it, and like. I don't know. I've never seen a Nazi exploitation film. I know one on Letterboxd I followed had really seen it, even though this is kind of one of the more popular exploitation films, I feel. So I'm glad we got in front of this. I'm glad we're the ones to watch it. Yeah, I feel like it's really popular in title only. And I'm surprised that one with like a popular title like that ended up being an actual good one. Because usually the ones you hear the titles all the time, it's like it's because they were hits at video stores because people saw the title. Yeah. uh, Not because they're a good movie. This one's good. What about you, JT? um, Yeah, I'm also uh, this is our sixth sense. I'm going to go three and a half bullets as well. Um, I don't know, just to echo the sentiments that you fellas had had, like, I don't know, it just delivers on, like, the exploitation premise of, like, being, like, kind of funny, like, extremely dirty, like, very gruesome. I, like, wasn't sure what to expect going into it, like, I was hoping for all these things, and that would coalesce. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's, like, a really good time, and, like, I don't know, I feel like this is the first time we've covered like a a straight up like exploitation movie like yeah. this. It's weird. I've wanted to since the beginning and we haven't. And I'm so excited. That's what the B movies should be. At mm-hmm. some point I'm going to suggest a movie that is actually porn. Absolutely. Like KG has had a lot of like erotica that yeah. is recently that's like just porn and i like i am excited to just talk about a porno i mean i feel like just franco's came up on the middle segment a few times yeah, and yeah. Uh, we we definitely ought to review one of his movies absolutely we we should just stop stop the concept we have now and start doing porn movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> um no emails this week but you can always email us at extended clip podcast at gmail.com uh at extended clip 69 um what are we doing next week malcolm <laughs> no, I, I, did, I, I'm not prepared. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I usually ask ahead of time so this doesn't happen. True, but I forgot. I was wondering who's, whose turn it was on the way over. But, it's um, yours. <laughs> yeah, it's mine. I was <laughs> wondering that during Batman, I was zoning out for a little bit. Like, yeah. what am I gonna pick? For? I think it's Malcolm's turn. Damn. Well, you know what? Just for not remembering, it's gonna be extra good. Yeah, the selection. Um, also, we're gonna record or we have been recording something else. I'm going to tease at it because uh, next week you'll hear it um, or next week you'll hear the podcast and our little side project will be available. Uh, So I'm going to tease at it this week and you could probably figure it out if you've looked at our letterbox for the last month, any of us. Yeah. Yeah. Do the Give us your work. fucking money. Yeah. Uh, oh, that too. Yeah. If you let's <laughs> let's say your bank account has only like a dollar fifty in it right now, you might want to add fifty cents. Yeah. Get your wallets out now. <laughs> this is this is the BDSM episode. 
you're all my pay pigs. <laughs> if you're I'm listening st- to this and you're part of the bourgeoisie, <laughs> I'm stepping on your chest right now and demanding five dollars from your wallet. Two dollars. Look, two dollars is the baseline. No, this but is, you can this, play us. No, right, pass yeah. plenty more. Maybe we shouldn't even say this. I kind of want to drop it two bucks, and then they can just uh, maybe they'll get less excited over the week if we tease it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was what I was saying was separate from our promotion. It's just like I'm I'm painting a picture in their head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's over. It's over now. <laughs> I the picture's painted. You could go. You could go back and listen to it if you want. <laughs> All right, let's eat some pizza. <laughs> let's get out of here. Once a prisoner has slept with me, he will never sleep with a woman again. If he lives, he will remember Why? only the Why? pain of the knife. Knife. <laughs>